Welcome to another episode of Hogging the Mic. I'm your host, Tucker Partridge, along with my co-host, Saul Malone. Say hello, Saul Malone. What is up, everybody? Glad to be here. Time for my favorite game of the season, LSU Arkansas Battle for the Boot, baby. Ready to talk about it. It's Golden Boot Week. It's LSU Hate Week, and it's one of our favorite weeks of the year. It's a week that is considered to be a rivalry, but... Folks don't necessarily look at it the same way we do, Saul. Yeah. Um, I This is, I hate LSU. It's not, it's not LSU hate week. It's LSU hate season all the time for me. It's 24-7, baby. Uh, I'm not sure why. I can't, like, put a finger on it, which is, uh, I'm sure, very annoying. I just don't like them. I don't like LSU. It's probably because every team I've ever liked, they've beaten at some point. And uh, do that. for that, I will tip my cap because... When they have a good team, they've got a good team, and I just have never got to pull for a team that really stuck it to them. Um, so it's always a real treat for me when we do get to beat them. And yeah, I just don't like LSU. Uh, they're not as annoying as A&M, and yet I somehow dislike them more. Obviously, when we entered the conference in 1992, and this kind of became more of a fixture, it became kind of an interesting game. I was talking with In the Valley Shook, which is SB Nation's LSU website, this week and I told them that this series is closer than the overall record might have you think at least in the sense that I doubt that LSU thinks of this as their primary rivalry but it's still yeah. kind of a fun rivalry yeah it, they're fun games. They always it's something interesting. Even in a blowout, there's something interesting at least happens. And uh, you know, a lot of times, there Arkansas seems to find their uh, level of they can take it to like another gear when they play LSU. Uh, even when our t- the teams were bad, we always found it in ourselves to keep the LSU game uh, close, if not outright upsetting people. So. I this game is a fun one, and like you said, maybe LSU doesn't look at it the same way, and maybe even some Arkansas folks at this point. I think, especially since they've moved it from kind of that Thanksgiving week slot that it used to kind of occupy, I think it's kind of fallen off people's radar. But this is my favorite game that Arkansas plays every year, and this is who I view as our main rival. I know, you know, people are trying to push the battle line rivalry presented by Shelter Insurance, but again, I just this is to me this is the team that I like. I mark on the calendar, you know, and I and I want to beat them really bad. Yeah, I agree. This is one of those games that I always looked forward to. The Little Rock was always the host of these games for a long time. And so when I was younger, this was a game that I got to go to, you know, really young to where my parents didn't necessarily want to make the three hour drive to Fayetteville, but we'll take them to a game in Little Rock. And so I got to see a lot of these games. And so growing up, that was just always a game that I looked forward to. And quite frankly, as much of a redheaded stepchild as Arkansas fans can feel (laughs) like, at least in terms of the SEC as a whole, we know that LSU is one of those SEC blue bloods. And so getting a win over on them, especially when there's stakes involved, like in 2007 when they were number one, or in 2014 when we broke the 17-game SEC losing streak, or when we beat them in 2010 to go to the sugar bowl that like those games mattered and they had stakes and it was a proving ground to say, Hey, we can beat some good teams because LSU more often than not is a very good team. Yeah, correct. Uh, you know, we'll get into it, but luckily this year is a, one of the, or not, uh, or more often than not, it's the, than not year for LSU. So, 
we can really get into that, you know, here in a second. But that's you know exciting because not only can you have the potential to beat LSU, you are looking at potentially a, a chance to beat them uh, badly and kind of give it to them a little bit here and kind of put up a signature SEC win for this team, um, which is fun to say. And we're not just looking for you know a win; we're looking for a signature win. And I think you know as bad as LSU is, I think putting up some points or you know holding an offense to you know very low scores or something could put a, kind of put Arkansas decidedly in the most improved team and, you know, kind of win that Pittman and, and Barry Odom, those awards they're kind of looking at with a game that we could have, you know, coming up on, on Saturday. So really exciting. It is really exciting. I, you know, it it feels funny to say that this is an awful LSU team and I'm going to say this probably to my own detriment because I'm sure that this is when I'll eat crow, but (laughs) considering that, they were light years above everyone and one of the best teams to ever play college football last year. It's safe to say that their title defense has been a little lax in terms of (laughs) what we usually see from teams, especially teams that can usually put it together every single year like LSU has been able to in the past. They're sitting right now at two and three with losses to Mississippi State, which looks really bad now. Losses to Missouri, which actually looks better as time goes on, and a huge loss to Auburn, which we feel certain ways about Auburn. So uh, (laughs) seeing them get one over on LSU probably doesn't feel as good. But wins only coming against Vanderbilt, which I think maybe the two of us could beat this year, and South Carolina, who, as of this recording, is still searching for a head coach after parting ways with Will Muschamp. There are other two games, which were supposed to be at Florida and versus Alabama, have been postponed due to COVID issues. So we haven't really seen them face, you know, the biggest test yet in terms of one of the true elite teams this year. Presumably those games will be made up, but I think it's safe to say this is not the kind of LSU team that we were expecting this year. Yeah, uh, it just... To, to and I'm sure you know we don't have, well, I'm not you know, I don't want to dive too deep into the LSU team but you know to a certain degree you can look at the incredible amount of turnover that they suffered after that from that championship team I mean not only players going to the NFL or graduating but also you know a coach <laughs> moving on to the NFL and the architect of their offense so you know with with going on to coach at the Panthers with under Matt Rule so you know they miss Joe Brady as well as Joe Burrow and they miss all those guys on defense and offense, and they just missed the, the uh, 2019 team. So, um, <laughs> I mean, th- I mean, I don't want to give them too much credit, uh, or like give them too much slack, but that is something to, to note. But yeah, I just, man, it's just a completely different team, a completely different, I mean, outlook. They don't look, th- I mean, they just don't act like the LSU. They've lost that LSU kind of swagger that makes them kind of easy targets to hate. And, it's weird to think that any coach could be on the hot seat in 2020 given everything that's happening. And I don't think Ed Ogeron will be fired after this season. But that said, if any team or if any coach is on the hot seat, as far as anyone can be on the hot seat in 2020, it's got to be Ed Ogeron, right? I mean, this is just, it's bad. Considering that we've already seen South Carolina pull the trigger and pay the massive buyout to Will Muschamp, uh, I'm actually a little surprised at that decision. And so I say that because... We may see teams pull the trigger this offseason that we may not be expecting. Obviously, a year removed from a national championship, I think that's real hard to fire Orgeron. And I don't think that that would be the correct decision. But 
they'll definitely have some better expectations for next year. And yeah. we'll see, you know, if this year is an aberration. I feel like a lot of people are wanting to write it off that way simply because it kind of is. But, yeah. you know, <laughs> you can put an asterisk beside this year all you want. I don't think the fans are going to forget a loss to Mizzou, Mississippi State, Auburn by that much. No, and you know you can you can absolutely put the asterisk by it, and, and you know you can offer the excuses that I've offered up here for you know lack of coaching or depth and lack of you know off season all that good stuff. But at the end of the day, you're just a defending champion who has scratched out two wins against pretty mediocre ish teams. Um, so yeah, it's like there's nothing. I don't think there's a big silver lining here. I mean, to be fair, like if I'm a if I'm someone that who literally within the last year went has won a national championship. It probably makes this year a little easier to swallow. Um, you know, I mean, I don't know how they're feeling in Baton Rouge, but if I, if I'm coming off a national championship, yeah, this sucks, but I have to imagine this sting is dulled a little. And let's be clear. Their bad is not our bad because they no. still won two <laughs> sec games. So correct. They're definitely not, uh, in Chad Morris land. Um, no. but who knows? Maybe, uh, if they part ways with Edwards run, they'll give old Chadwick a chance. Let's dive into yeah. the stats for this game and kind of give us a look at the LSU offense and I'll tell you about the defense. All right. So Miles Brennan is actually out for the year, um, which I didn't realize. I knew he was injured, but I had been keeping up with him because he didn't look particularly good in the games he did play. He didn't look bad by any means, but he wasn't Joe Burrow, which uh, granted is unfair, but he didn't even look, you know, up to the task of, you know, leading an SEC team, much less replacing Joe Burrow. So I wasn't terribly impressed with him to to say the least, but I didn't realize that he had, he was, had been rolled up out for the year. So we're likely to see TJ Finley here, um, who on the year has 408 passes. Passing yards, two touchdowns, and three picks. Um, he's played in two games so far. He's played in a 48-11 to loss to Auburn, where he had a QBR of 21.1 and was 13 out of 24 for 143 yards and two picks. He started in the game versus South Carolina, where they won 52-24 with a QBR of 92.3. He went 17 of 21 for 265 yards, two touchdowns, and a pick. So, Two very different games against two very different opponents, I would say. But So we've seen kind of the highs and lows of TJ Finley. Um, I expect him with our defense to face uh, kind of one of those lower games. I think we're going to be able to do a lot of things to get inside uh, his head, like get some pressure on him, make him force into some bad decisions. We'll dive into that in a second. Um, on the ground... Uh, our, uh, excuse me, LSU has two kind of key backs, John Emery Jr., who has 246 yards and two touchdowns, and Tyrion Davids-Pierce, who has 245 yards and two touchdowns. They are essentially the same back as far as stats go. Um, not, you know, LSU is kind of known for an electric offense and known for just putting points up, uh, regardless of who's the coach. And that's just not the team that has been put on the field for the Tigers this year. Um, and you can kind of see that from to have two guys that are barely over 500 yards rushing, uh, combined to that isn't like, that's not what LSU does. So kind of surprising there. The, um, receiving core is led by Terrace Marshall Jr. Who has 31 catches for 540 yards and Eric Gilbert, 222 catches for 259 yards. No other Tigers have more than 13 catches. So kind of just a complete disappearance of the Tigers offense, especially compared to where they were last year. And just kind of historically speaking, this year's squad does not look up the task of kind of putting up the numbers and points that they usually do. 
No, and it's really strange to kind of see the complete disappearance, I guess, of whatever Joe Brady installed. Obviously, a lot of people called him, you know, an offensive guru, and last year's team would have you believe so, and that just has not been the case this year. Now, obviously, they've been dealing with quarterback issues, and they've had two games postponed due to COVID, so it's probably not the fairest apples-to-apples comparison, but... I'm used to seeing a lot of thousand-yard rushers at LSU. I mean, they print those guys pretty much down in Baton Rouge. And I'm used to seeing some kind of generational wide receiver. And that just hasn't been the case this year. So it's definitely going to be interesting to see on offense, you know, where we're going from here, what to expect. Because as TJ Finley, I'm sure, was highly recruited. But yeah. I think we could give him problems, and yeah. I, I I think that there's a chance that we can give him problems. Yeah, I mean the defense if they play like they played, you know, if it's been played in this whole year. But I just yeah, there I don't see. I mean, he he came in expecting to be the backup, not expecting to be the starter. Brandon goes down, he has to step in. I don't think he's unprepared. He has two you know games under his belt already, um, so it's not as if he's coming in and this is his first game, but I think Arkansas defense is very good this year as we've seen. And I think LSU matchup wise, I think we um, are, are on the better side of it. I think we're the better team, uh, especially on the defensive side of the ball. So I think our defense just matches up very nicely with kind of what's going on in their offense this year, especially with their second string quarterback and kind of these not bad, but just underperforming players that they have. I think that that schemes up nicely uh, against, or that we our defense schemes up nicely against that. Moving on to their defense, usually when we think of LSU, we think of defense, or at least I do, simply because of those incredible defenses that they had throughout the 2010s and obviously well before that. But this defense, not so much. They are now coached by former defensive coordinator uh, Bo Pelini, who's making his return to Baton Rouge. And uh, I don't know about you, but I am feeling like he may be in the hottest seat in Baton Rouge yeah. right now. Because this uh, defense correct. does not look like the LSU defenses of old. No. They're led in tackles by safety Jacoby Stevens, who has 36 of those, 17 of which are solo tackles, which is good. But again, I'm not sure that you want your safety to be leading your team in tackles. However, they are pretty good at taking the ball away. Uh, Their starting cornerback, Eli Ricks, has three interceptions on the year. One of those returned for a touchdown. They've actually got two pick sixes on the year and six fumble recoveries on the year from their defense. So... I don't know. I mean, like that, the, they have a positive turnover differential on the year, so there's definitely something to be looking out for if you're Felipe Franks or one of the ball carriers, because this defense, you know, as much as as much flack as they've caught over the year, you know, being torched obviously by Mississippi State among others, they can still take the ball away, and yeah, we should expect them to be able to do so. Yeah. Uh, again, just kind of. We keep saying this team is bad, but they—I mean—they have two SEC wins, and they're an SEC defense. Um, so you know, I—I I don't ever want to use a, for Arkansas. This is not a trap game of any sorts. But I think it's fun to go in and see, like, oh, this is a game that we should win, not could win, should win, um, and to get in that kind of mindset. But this is a very a defense that is very good at getting. I mean, six fumble recoveries is impressive. That's a huge 
plus uh, on the turnover margin there. And I mean, the, obviously they're good at generating turnovers, and you don't have to, if you can generate turnovers, you don't necessarily have to have a a stalwart defense if you can take the ball away. So you know, I We've still think Arkansas. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, and I, I think Arkansas overall does have a better defense. You know, with our guys in the middle with Grant and Bumper Pool and kind of up front. So I think overall we're stronger, but I do think this isn't a a team defense to be taken lightly. Uh, I mean, and luckily for us, Felipe Franks has been playing pretty mistake-free football recently, and I think he continues that trend. We don't throw a lot of interceptions. We don't really fumble the ball often either. We really good ball security, so I think that's, you know, I think that's a plus for us. But, you know, I think if Felipe plays like he has, he's been fine, but we can't make we can't just give them opportunities uh, to score when we have the ball, and we got to keep that possession and kind of, Make sure that you know we keep playing the mistake-free football we know we can play. With that said, we're seeing this trend across the league right now, and coming off of putting up 35 against Florida, this LSU team is giving up over 34 points a game. That's like we're going to score in this game. That offense will not be an issue in this game. It's going to be a question of execution and mistake-free football because that's what wins and loses games in the SEC. The margins are really tight. The athletes are all really good. I think it's literally going to come down to which team has a better turnover differential. And at this point, <laughs> it's really weird to say, but I think you have to favor Arkansas against LSU. Yeah, which I, if you had told me, like, that's the that just is like, if you had told me that in March... You know what I mean? That's that's the funniest thing you could possibly have told me. The, the hey, August, even. August, I mean, yeah, maybe even maybe even like a month ago. To like to to be honest with you, like it was like yeah, they maybe they lost against Mississippi State, but maybe Mississippi State is better than I thought. So yeah, I that's it's just like that. What a sentence to say and just kind of encapsulate encapsulates how weird twenty twenty has been. But I think you're right. I think the Hawks are the better team overall. I think we have a stronger defense, and I think we're going to be able to put up points against this defense like everyone else has. And if you're just doing the pretty quick math at home there, that means the Hogs are better as a team and you would predict them to win, which I do. I predict them to, I do predict the Hogs to win because I think they're going to win. One thing to keep in mind ahead of this game, obviously they've been off as they had to deal with COVID stipulations against Alabama. Now, apparently this week's game has been in some kind of jeopardy as we've had an outbreak of our own in Fayetteville. Obviously, Sam Pittman missing last week's game, but apparently that has spread to some of the team because Sam Pittman said today in a press conference, we're recording this on Thursday, releasing it on Friday morning, said that they would have enough bodies to be able to play a game, but that it would depend on the testing for tomorrow, Friday before they could call whether or not the game is being played. How <laughs> worried are we, I guess, uh, about this game happening? I, I would say I'm moderately to maybe like moderately high concern, like right on that edge of yellow and red on the, on the nuclear reactor meter. I think because <laughs> we've seen, I mean, as we saw last week that, half the games in the SEC got canceled. And so obviously this is hopping around the SEC pretty aggressively. Um, and, you know, we've already seen a couple games delayed this week outside the SEC. So uh, COVID is not going away in college football, especially. Um, and I, you know, I think if there's a mini outbreak and we're, and we're thin, um, and I, 
I, you know, yeah, I, I put my worry meter at maybe 65%, 70%. Um, but I, I, I remain pretty optimistic. All indicators have gone that this game is going to be played from the testing, you know, kind of the we're, we're bad news today about, you know, the kind of running thin. But I, I, I expect this game to happen. I'm just, you know, I, I'm, I'm healthily cautious. I agree. I, I think, I mean, there could be a certain degree of coach speak in it, but it's something to consider because we've seen games canceled this year. And at a certain point, you're just not going to be able to make them up. With that said, how do we think LSU is going to respond? They have been off a week and due to COVID. So we're going to see an LSU team that's either fresh from rest or rusty from time off. Which do we think it's going to be? I don't think it's going to be fresh from rest. I think this is the second. Um, well, this is the second, or this is this could potentially be their. It would be their third game um, that it would be canceled by COVID. Um, so they've already had two. I think they're probably like that's just mentally exhausting just to be like, what if we, you know, have to cancel this game? And I, I you know, I don't think it's occupying all their brain space, but it's got to be occupying some of it. Um, and just, I, I would, if I know if I was on a, a college football team that had already had two games canceled by COVID and potentially this third one, and that means that they've only played five games out of the 10 that they're supposed to in mid November. Like that's a pretty stressful thing to worry about. So I think that, you know, I think they'll be, their bodies might be rested and that's, that's great. But I, you know, I think mentally there's some wear there because you have to kind of go through this every, every week of like, are we even going to get to play this game that we've, we've been prepping for all week? I think so too. I, I, I don't know how you could go through just the protocols that occur on a normal daily basis, you know, assuming you've got your whole team healthy. These guys are getting tested constantly, having to worry constantly. Am I going to get a false positive? Am I going to have one that uh, pulls me out of a game? Am I going to be able to play in the game at all, even if I'm healthy? What if I have to quarantine? I think it's there's so much going on right now. It's really kind of a credit to the players that they've been able to kind of hold it together and show up and play football. I really kind of commend them for that. Elsewhere in the Arkansas world, this week we saw the NBA draft, and I was super excited to see Isaiah Joe taken off the board a little later, maybe, than I think we were hoping, but yeah, to the 76ers, who needed yeah. shooters, and they've gotten one with Isaiah Joe. Absolutely. You know, yeah, there was talk of him going at potentially 21 with that er or yeah, that early Sixers pick or even 34, I think I saw or you know, he eventually went um in the second round a little bit later. So, you know, there was talk of him going first round. There was first round talk, you know, that's I think a little far-fetched. I didn't think he was a first-round guy considering how it was a pretty deep class. It wasn't necessarily a lot of big names, but there's a lot of talent on the board. Um, but it was just good to see him picked. You know, I was thrilled for him. I thought he deserved the shot. He had a really good span and run in Arkansas. And, you know, I just, I glad to see Muscleman excited for him. I was, just, I was thrilled for the guy. A little bit, I don't know. I wasn't necessarily expecting a high pick here, but a little shocked to see Mason Jones go completely undrafted. Luckily, he has signed a contract with the Houston Rockets, so I am sure that he'll find his way onto that roster because I don't know about you, but he seems to me to just be like the perfect summer league player. And unfortunately, they're not doing a summer league this year. 
but he just seems like the kind of fighter that ends up on a roster. So, and with Houston kind of clearing house as we may be seeing them doing it's interesting. Like he could eventually make that roster. I don't, I would not give up on him, especially not after last year. No, I, yeah, I think, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Rockets fan and, you know, all the, you know, stuff surrounding Harden and, and, you know, Russ and all that stuff that's taking up most of the headlines. But I think this is a pretty sneaky good signing for the Rockets, uh, because, you know, we saw what Mason Jones was able to do, um, at, at Arkansas. And I think he, especially with, with what the Rockets like to do, I think he can fit into that system nicely. Um, especially, you're right. He's kind of bred for the summer league. And I think, you know, even if he has to, does have to spend some time in the G League, we've seen that, you know, the G League can be a, a launching pad for guys. Uh, you know, Alex Caruso comes to mind, Duncan Robson, that sort of stuff. So you, you get those guys that come out of the G League, and I think Mason Jones can be one of those guys. I think you're right. He's a scrapper. He's going to fight for a spot, and I think he's going to earn one. And I think he's going to, he's a guy that I think has some staying power if he can find the right place and, and kind of carve out his niche in the NBA. I think that's a guy that can hang around for a little bit. In terms of just basketball, one of the best qualities of his game is he get it sounds hilarious but it's a consideration that has to be made he's an nba caliber athlete at getting fouled and yeah. considering that he's going to houston to study under mr foul himself james harden i for however long james harden is there you could not pick a better mentor for a guy who has ch- completely built his game around that kind of style yeah, he's James Harden is Doctor Fouls at this point. He's got his PhD, <laughs> so if you're going to study, study under the best. You're right. He's uh, he's 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 good at that. So yeah, Mason Jones, another guy that's gonna, you know, and eventually if he has to go, you know, if someone has to replace Harden, you know, I'm not saying he'll be as good as him, but kind of money ball situation. We're not replacing Harden. We're replacing his free throw attempts. Mason Jones could be your guy there. Obviously wishing those two the best and really excited to see what's to come with basketball. Obviously, we'll have a pretty big preview of basketball season the closer we get to it, and it is not far away. Last thing before we get to our score predictions, as we're recording this, Arkansas soccer has clinched a place in the SEC title game. This Let's is go. The fifth straight year that they've done so. We have got to get over this hump and win the ship. But I think these ladies can do it because yep. they have down some quality opponents along the way. And once again, for those of you who aren't soccer fans, they are so fun to watch. They're awesome. Incredible stuff. They're really fun. I mean, just like yeah, a really good, a really good bunch to watch play soccer and like very fun and if you can find a way to tune into this SEC championship, I really, really encourage you to do so. I mean, I'm, I know I'm going to be, I will be watching this game and I'm excited to do so. Before we head out, I think we owe our audience some score predictions. So we've put some on the money or we, guess what? I'm re-recording that. (laughs) We've put ourselves out there before we've been right. And we've been wrong. Let's be right this time. I'm predicting an Arkansas win, and I'm going to say 38-7. to seven. Uh, We're kind of in the same ballpark. I'm predicting an Arkansas win, and I am going to say 31-10. to 10. Okay, so neither of us thinking that this LSU offense is going to be firing on all cylinders against Barry Odom's defense. I do not think that. Folks... 
Thanks for joining us for this preview of the LSU game. Hopefully we'll be speaking to you soon, recapping an Arkansas win. If you want to follow us on Twitter, follow me at Tucker Partridge. Follow him at Saul Malone. Follow the podcast at Hoggin Mike Pod. You can keep up with us during the games and see all kinds of Arkansas content. Thanks so much. Please be sure to rate us. Give us a thumbs up or a five star on whatever podcast app you use. That helps people find the show. And until then, Saul, do you have any last words? Chad, you get a break this week. Screw you, LSU, and whoopig.